Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Coco Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Pegasus and the Phantom Riders. Yeah. Now, Aaron, I want you to tell me about your last experience riding a horse. Oh, boy. Well, let's see. My parents had taken me on a day trip to uh, the uh, Canaan Valley up so in that area. This was last year? No, this was when I was like six. Oh. I believe. So in the er, er, early to mid 60s. Yeah. Horses had just been invented the the year before. That's how old I am. But we drove up there and we went to uh, what is that ski resort up there? uh, Canaan. Canaan. Yeah. We were up there and they had, because you've been up in the ski area of West Virginia Mm -hmm. in the summertime, there ain't nothing going on in the ski area. It's because here's a hidden secret. The ski area is in the armpit. There's nothing there. It's it's all you do is ski. There's nothing else going on. And so what they done to gin up some action is they had some stables and crap up there. And I guess they had some kind of horse-related crapiola going on. And so the folks thought it'd be cool to put little A on top of a, a pony. Yeah. You know? Because I said, who would want to ride a horse? Because I was a big fan of like the Lone Ranger, the Cisco Kid. Yeah, man, get horse me up. Mm-hmm. I want to ride that sucker, you know, lasso some crap. And so they had the pony was in like this pen, you know, like I guess you'd open it. You know, those dudes, that they open the door and the Bronco goes bananas. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like that. But this pony wasn't going to go bananas, theoretically. <laughs> well, no one told the pony because they sent a little aid down on that thing. And the pony started going absolutely bonkers and bucking and junking and, you know, trying to throw me off. Wow. And I was holding on. And of course, they don't give you a saddle or anything because this is a this was not a full on operation. They you were riding set- bareback on a pony? Not even with a blanket. Just wow. sat me down on that thing. So who knows? I could have had pointy britches on. I could yeah. have been, who knows what was going on. Anyway, whatever it happened, it pissed this pony off. He threw me up near a couple of times. They caught me. They're like, What do you want to try to get? I was like, Hell no. And that was the <laughs> that's the full life extent of my horse experience. What about so you? So you're yeah, I've been on a horse countless times. Really? Um, yeah. One of my best friends growing up, his name is Logan. Um, he had his family had horses. They had three yeah. horses. Uh, I can even remember their names. There was Maverick, Lucy, oh. and, and Jenny. Oh, yeah. And uh, and he lived out, out Charlie's Creek. You know, there's nothing out Charlie's Creek. You can keep ain't on nothing, going. I, yeah. I delivered pizza out there. It ain't nothing out there. No, yeah. no. And so we would basically, he had this huge yard, and we just ride horses all around his yard, you know, and get them, get them going galloping and stuff like that. And it was yeah. awesome. Um, one of my favorite things to do with the horses is you lead them up to the barn, and then there's the, there's the cross beam, right? And so you, yeah. you you grab onto the cross beam and then like the horse keeps going and you stay still and then you drop down and then you sell yourself. I'm Indiana Jones. That's You're it. Like a, so you did that cool guy style. Yeah. That seems pretty action packed for someone like yourself, Boat. I used to be more action packed in my younger really? years. I lost. Did you most have of my training action. on the horse, or did they just, did you just show up one day? They said, "Hey, you want to ride this horse?" Well, we. Like, I mean, okay. I I started hanging out with Logan in like fourth grade, and we yeah. hung out all the way up through high school. And so by the time that we got into the middle of middle school, I, I wouldn't say I was a good hand at riding the horse, but I was really good at sort of knowing the obstacles of his yard and doing that move. Yeah, could you? So that was your. That was the move. Could you, you, could you do the thing with your heels where you kind of kick it and, it may, and go and make the horse do crap? Well, yeah, the, the the horse wants to run. The horse wants to get crazy. I always envisioned being able to jump the horse over the fence into the adjoining <laughs> property. Yeah. Unfortunately, or probably fortunately, if I'm being honest, the horse wanted nothing to do with that. I would be, I'd be gunning it, trying to get it to do it, and it would just slow down. You were gunning the horse. 
How does that work? Does that mean you just kicking the hell out of its sides? Dig that the means? heels in, give it the old. Did you wear spurs? Oh no. <laughs> I don't Gosh, know. No, did no. you did you ride on a proper saddle? Yeah, yeah, we were. Did you I, put that crap on and I, strap I, it I, on? I, and at stuff? one point in the past, I knew how to do that stuff. We used to sleep in the barn with the horses up in the you loft. Did, what? Yeah. What was that like? It was like sleeping in a hayloft. <laughs> <laughs> that seems itchy to me. It was. That, a, it's so. It's funny, isn't it? Funny. I'm sure you can think about stuff like this. Like you did stuff when you were a kid. You're like, why was that fun? You know, and this is one of those things because you're exactly right. It's itchy. It's drafty. And a lot a of the times it was winter in that, for in that hay and stuff. Yeah, there's the, fleas the in the hay, all kinds of insects and stuff. The Did horses you have a are making bag noise. or something, or just sleep yeah, we, on the hay. No, we didn't sleep on the hay. We had sleeping bags, but yeah, I don't know why we did it, but we just thought it would be cool. So, uh-huh. how often did you sleep with the horses? I. I, I used think to go in some over there. states you'd be legally married to the horses by now. If it was I used enough. to go over there and just spend three or four weeks at a time during the summer. I mean, I basically live with him over the summer. But you wouldn't sleep up in the barn that amount of time. No, no. You? We'd also sleep just out in the woods in random places, too. Like in a tent? Or no, just, just under the stars. In the mud. Well, yeah. Sleep out there. It was, you know, we had a couple spots that were less muddy, and a lot of times the dogs would come up, and we'd love that because the dogs would make you warm. You know, get the dog in there. You know how it is. I got to tell you something. And I say this, uh, this is 100% a shoot. I never in my life thought a prissy little dandy boy like you would be a rough backwoodsman. I'm stunned by this information. I can't believe it. Listen, man. You used to sleep on the bare ground and in the hay. I am impressed. you, You forget that I also spent like 12 years in the Boy Scouts. You know, like I did the 50 mile hike. I did all kinds of insane stuff that I would never dream of doing now. And at the time, I was miserable the whole time and I hated it. I honestly have no idea why I did any of that stuff. I would have rather been sitting at home playing video games. So you pretty much used up all your adventurous nature early on. Right, right. And the second you'd hit Eagle Scout, bam, I'm sleeping in the house. I think everybody has a certain allotment. Of like, this is as much I'm going to take of sleeping on a flat surface. And once you reach that allotment, you're done. (laughs) That's it. That's it. So you never, like, you're never sitting around with the eeper at the pad and saying, you know, tonight's the night. I'm sleeping in the backyard. No. That never comes up. Maybe no. after I've been drinking a lot, you know, I feel like going out That's, there. There's a difference between sleeping in the backyard and passing out face down in the mud in the backyard <laughs> after too much fancy water. That's but. true. Eep is a big, you know, she's a big outdoors person. Yeah. Um, she has not reached her allotment yet, and she's always begging me to go camping, but I, uh-huh. so far I have not succumbed to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I don't blame you, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Screw and that. Now, has the Lukester, has is, is, is he expressed any desire to become more one with the outdoors? He desires to not be outside mm. under any circumstances. Do they got Wi-Fi in the woods? He's not interested if they don't. <laughs> or somewhere to plug in his crap. He's I understand. Man. I understand. Let's talk about Pegasus and the Phantom Riders, Aaron. You know, both Pegasus and the Phantom Riders... An interesting title here uh, for the Coco, uh, because we've actually looked at a, we've looked at another sort of jousty clone back in the day, and make no mistake, that's what Pegasus Riders is doing here. But to its credit, it extends that uh, it, it comes up with a good backstory. I guess is the way is the best way to put it. You know, uh, I looked up the game's docs because I wanted to see if they actually had put anything in here. To explain what the hell is going on in this game, and if, I, if you'll indulge me, Boat, I'd like to just read a clip of here 
So what you've got going on here in the introduction, it says Pegasus, the great white horse, flies across the evening skies. Below Pegasus is a lush green island surrounded by gentle wavelets, which I've never heard that word. <laughs> it is Pegasus home, and it offers the promise of quiet rest. Suddenly, there is a growl boat. Mm. The noise comes from behind a rocky mountaintop deep in a dense forest. Within the stony region, dark caves hold frightening secrets. I like that. Mm -hmm. The noise continues until the island and the seas around it pulse with sound. Out of a cave fly the dreaded Midnight Mare, the blackest of the evil horses, ridden by the fearsome Phantom Rider. With a frightening snort, Pegasus leaps to the sky and swoops down upon the first rider. Pegasus, Pegasus kicks it with a powerful hoof. Dashing it swiftly to the ground and destruction. How can you kick with a powerful hook? Hoof. Hoof. Oh, okay. Hoof. Okay. Come on. You're gumming up my ambiance here. I'm sorry, man. Keep going. That is basically the backstory here. Pegasus has to fight, fight, and fight to get the Phantom Rider and his evil minions off his beloved home island. So you're you're fighting for for your home. Yeah, you're one of Pegasus' buddies. Yeah. You mount Pegasus and you go to work. Pegasus really is doing all the work. <laughs> you're, you're just, just sort, sort of, of along for the ride. Effectively. But listen, the other things are having riders, so that means you've got to have a rider, too. I've heard they had case. phantom riders. That's true. Yeah, they are phantom riders. So Pegasus and the phantom riders, we're going to look into the background on this thing. Uh, a game that was released uh, for the Coco in late 1984. By the way, all this information comes from the brilliant site ran by our good buddy L. Curtis Boyle. Check him out, the leader in Coco game coverage. Uh, this will work on a Coco 1, 2, or 3 with 64K of RAM and joysticks. This also boat, and I should have hooked this up, this also supports the uh, Coco sound cartridge. Mm. So we should, now is one the, of these days, we're going to I don't know that, that we've done anything with the Coco sound cartridge. Is this sort of like the Intellivision voice synthesizer? It's a, Yes, it's very similar. It talks. It, mm. it, will, it will talk, uh, among other things. I actually have one of these, and I've mentioned this before, but in the old days, I had one of these as a kid. I bugged my mom until she bought me one. But you have to, the Coco, if you're familiar with it, if you have a disk drive, it, you've got it hooks the the interface hooks into the cartridge slot, mm-hmm. and you have to pull that out to put in the uh, and put in the sound card the sound mm-hmm. cartridge. Well, you can't do that technically. You can do it if you don't mind blowing up your computer, which I didn't <laughs> at the time. But they make this multi tap that you plug into the side that lets you hook three cartridges into one cartridge slot. That's the way to go. Uh, okay, comes, that makes sense when it comes to something like this. So, Pegasus and the Phantom Riders. What is this game? Well. It's a game for one to two players uh, with joysticks, uh, where you where you and your buddy uh, can fly Pegasus around and try to defeat the Phantom Riders by landing on top of them in midair. Mm-hmm. That's effectively the game. Uh, you've got two modes if you play two player. You've got dual and you've got uh, cooperation. Uh, in cooperation mode, you can't hose each other, but in dual mode, you can hose your buddy if you're so inclined. Uh, this game, uh, it comes in waves. Uh, the first wave has uh, Pegasus uh, in front of a, in, on, like over the ocean, in front of a distant mountain. Uh, and at the, from the mountain emerge the Dark Riders, the Phantom Riders. And there's a sort of a, what would you call that, a scaling effect boat as the Riders come out? Yeah, this is, uh, I want to spend some time talking about this. Please. Because this is one of the things that makes this game a lot of people would just straight up dismiss this as a Giles clone and they yeah. couldn't be more wrong. 
Oh, I guess I okay. guess they, they they could be more. Wrong, yeah, they could but, be like yeah. they could say Defender was yeah. a Joust clone, for example. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the main things that make this game different is that you see your enemies approaching from a distance. They don't just grow out of the ground like they do in Joust. They don't grow right. out of the ground like you, the player, do. Uh, you see them uh, sort of approach like the Nazgul coming out of Mordor. Okay, cool. you get you see these things and you know they're coming, and you have to sort of guesstimate where the scaling effect is going to turn into the where they're actually there and they're going to kill you. Yeah. So that that adds a lot of kind of dramatic effect to the game because you're sort of waiting for the the the, the wave to crest, if you will. Uh, yeah. I think that this is one of the coolest aspects of this game, and it really makes it, it really sort of heightens the suspense yeah this game has a lot of ambiance boat if yeah. i may uh aside from the like and listen you know me i'm a big joust fan mm-hmm. i love that game uh, and joust is fine and good the ostriches the whole nine yards it's a, it's a brilliant game and uh, this this game here pexas didn't reinvent the wheel but what it did do is it looked at the wheel and it's like how can we make this wheel more attractive how can we make it shinier how can we make it more interesting and that's what they did uh the, and i mentioned this game is divided into waves and after a couple waves, the scenery changes. You come closer to the island, and the premise of the game is Pegasus is fighting its way back to its island to vanquish its foe. Right. I like that, man. And plus, as you get to different levels, the some of the uh, foes change a little bit. Like on the first level, uh, you can uh, w- the premise of the game: you knock the riders off their horse, and a, and a headstone appears on the on the ground, mm-hmm. and then you go down run over the headstone, and then that fu- that fighter's vanquished. If you don't go over it, it can come back from that headstone, just like in a, in regular jazz. Wise from your grave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mundo. Uh, so I like that. But as you move forward, that ground area will kind of open up to the point where eventually there is no ground. And if you or your enemies go into the water, you're gone. Mm-hmm. That means you're, that you lose a life. Right. And that's a, I love that for a bunch of reasons, one of which is, Occasionally, the computer will just lose control and just nosedive into the water. <laughs> I and love they're gone. that. Yeah, <laughs> you can also whack them into the water, which is also entertaining. It's so funny to watch them make this slow, you know, slow approach. Yeah. you know, and then they make a couple laps, and then something goes wrong with the pilot, and they just go right into the water. And that's, you're like, that's ah, the best, that's the best part of it. You know, uh, something else that happens that I think is very awesome is the stuff that happens in the background. Like once you're over the ocean, you'll see two or three sharks swimming around in the circle. That uh, it adds to that ambiance. Plus, you'll have occasionally you'll see a sea monster come up, and even at some points, the sea monster can actually inter- interfere with fighting. He can mm-hmm. breathe fireballs and shoot them up in the air. They added a lot of stuff to give this game a story and more depth, and I think they succeeded in a lot of ways. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the graphics and the animation of the horse. Uh, aside from the of the, of the uh, aside from that sort of uh, effect of them coming off the island, when you turn your horse, unlike in Joust where it's a flat two D, so when you go from one side to the other, you just instantly go the other way. This has a turning animation mm-hmm. uh, on it, and now it's a mixed bag. And I wanted to get your opinion on what you thought about the turning, the turning animation. I mean, it looks good, but what it does do is it, it makes, I mean, it, there, it takes time to turn. Well, Uh, what did you think about that and how it was integrated into the game? I like this because it adds another level of strategy to the gameplay. Um, 
in this game, you don't have the numbers of enemies that you do in Joust. You know, especially you don't have to get very far in Joust before you really run into like millions of enemies. Okay. In this game, you've got fewer enemies on the screen at one time, and that may just be a function of the, you know, the limited power of the Coco. Right. But because of that, uh, having the additional turning animation isn't as big of a deal as it, it could be. It didn't get in my way, and I. it was just a joy to watch. I mean, it was so well done. You wouldn't expect a sprite that tiny to be able to be animated that well, especially on a system like the Coco that literally has no sprite hardware. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. And the in the here's the thing, you, the 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 Phantom Riders, they all have that same turning animation. So everybody's yeah. sort of on the same page there. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh this thing the point situ, uh system and this is pretty simple, boat. If you knock a Phantom Rider off his horse, you get a couple hundred points. When you destroy a grave, you get 300 points. If you if you catch a fallen Phantom Rider, you get 700 points. If you're the lone survivor in a two-player game, you get 3,000 bonus points. And when you outlast your opponent in a dual wave, you get 3,000 bonus points. I didn't get to play this with a... I didn't get to play it this time around with a friend, but I have played this in the past with the Brent back in the day. We had some vicious battles. It's funny, though. You know, I look at this game now, and I'm real impressed with it. But when I was younger, like, this was not one that I went back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... I think the main reason is uh, is the controls. Now, uh, if you're a traditional Coco player, that actually, I, of course, I, this week I played this on my actual Coco. It's sitting right here in front of me, and you can see I'm going to I'm going to zoom in here. Uh, you're playing with the old black beauties right here. These black joysticks. Now, these things are not self-centering joysticks. Uh, you can see that they they lean to the side like mm-hmm. that. These things are an acquired taste, to say yeah. the least, and. Playing, I, I wanted to play this game with those sticks this time around because I wanted to have the same feeling I did when I was a kid and see if and how how I felt with it. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, this game does not control great with the Black Beauty. Really, with the, I tried bow sticks. It's not the control on this thing is is tough, but it's tough in sort of the same way the control in Joust is tough. I mean. They sort of built that into the game because that's part of the gameplay element. I mean, if you could whip your Pegasus back and forth, there would be no fun because you just crush everything. Yeah. And so the flapping of the wings uh, is, is tough, but it, the control in this, it takes some getting used to, yeah. and it's something I never mastered. I, I will say that playing this with a uh, with a Atari controller, or I'm sorry, with a, with a control pad, with a digital pad, is a lot easier than an analog controller. You know, I have the, uh, those Atari adapters that lets you plug in, you know, an Atari style stick or a Genesis pad into the Coco. Uh, I had a lot. I've never played this. I've never actually used one of the Black Beauties before. As you can see behind me, I have the deluxe joystick, which is so much better because it's got the self-centering mechanism yeah. on there. And I've played it with both because I've played it on the real Coco too. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I didn't find, I find that the the sort of stupidity of the Phantom Riders uh, is, is a good corollary with the with this sort of more awkward and less precise controls uh it seems like the at least you know in the early stages of the game the phantom riders are just as likely to off themselves as they are to go after you and so i i didn't find in one of the things that i enjoyed about this game is that the difficulty level doesn't ramp up too incredibly hard right off the bat joust is pretty good about that too you can usually get pretty far in joust before it gets yeah. too too hard but um but i really enjoyed that because it lets you see uh, 
a lot of the game without having to be a master. You know, like I got all the way to where you could, you were right up on top of the island. Um, and yeah. it, it was neat to move through the stages. That's one thing that I think that Joust really suffered from. Um, of course, Joust yeah. is a much older game than this. I think it's 81. But uh, having that that plain black background is just sort of, you know, it, it gets old. It, having something where you're actually moving through a story, you know, especially with sort of that flavor text that the, the manual provided, um, there's an atmosphere to this game. The colors are wacky. Um, it almost looks like a, it's like a marshmallow world, you know, where everything is like bright colors. It's almost like a Willy Wonka s Candyland. Uh, I'm sure there was some trickery to get the cocoa to display all that that sort of rainbow of colors there. I, I thought this game to me, it's uh, even as a kid, I thought this. It almost reminds me of like a like a uh, sort of an abstract painting and a yeah. the color scheme. I mean, I, but I like it. I, I don't. I don't think it hurts to the game. I think it actually adds to it a little bit in a, in mm-hmm. a weird way. I, I agree with you on what you said about your assessment on Joust's background. I mean, effectively in Joust, what happens is the platforms disintegrate and leave, uh, but uh, but there's no background change at all. And it's something that it was. It really no game. I mean, listen, there have been plenty of Joust clones, and I don't recall any of them doing anything with the with the background. Yeah, uh, and and so I like the idea that again, this is another element of the game. Where they where they change the backgrounds and some of the background gets real nice when you get close to the mountain with the waterfall and so it's real it's all real of the, well done. All of the backgrounds have a certain element of animation to them, and I can't tell you how much that adds to the game. I mean, just a simple you know like you know sixteen frames of movement on the screen, you know it just it it makes the game more fun. It makes you feel like you're more part of the story. So, um, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about the graphics on this game. If I can make any sort of, you know, recommendations, uh, I think that I would have rather you been able to move through the waves, uh, faster. I mean, instead of having multiple waves with the same background, maybe move through the pictures, you know, all, you know, one wave per picture and then just keep looping, um, you know, and making it more difficult. I mean, I understand that they want to leave something to the imagination, but I don't really have a whole lot to complain about with this game there. If you are looking at this from a Joss perspective, another thing that is different is that there aren't nearly as many platforms in some stages. There are no platforms at all. And you're just sort of up there flying. You do a lot more flying in general in this game than you do in Joust. Joust is a game where you're constantly going between flying and running because when you're on a platform in Joust, you can run at Mach 5. You can move much faster on the ground than in the air because you're on an ostrich. Um, In this game, you're in the air all the time. And it's just it's a different style of game. Yeah, even when there are a few ledges, I seldom landed on them just to pick up crosses. Uh, and yeah, your fingers gonna get tired from all that flapping. That's for mm-hmm. darn sure. I I agree with almost everything you said there. Uh, uh, this game is 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 it perfect? No. And again, the controls are 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 tough. But once you yeah. get a hang of them, you can do okay. Uh, the sound is. I mean, the sound isn't great, but I mean, I'm not expected great sound from you know. On again, like our nonstop music. I mean, it would have been nice, but it's not something I expect on a on a computer of this of this age. But I like everything about this game. And coming back to it, I'll have to say when we decided to play this one, I wasn't licking my chops. I enjoyed this more this week than I've ever enjoyed playing it in the past. I think uh, a lot of the subtler details were lost on me as a kid. You know, I just straight straight up compared it to Joust, and I was like, yeah, I like Joust's control better. But uh, this game has a lot going for it. Plus, it's got a real, uh, it's got a real pretty uh, like box cover. You know, I, I like the way it looks. It's got almost like it's got that kind of uh, classic, 
almost hand-drawn element that you get from some of the box arts in the early 80s or sleeve art, if you will. So I like that as well. I think this is a I think this is an absolute keeper, uh, Boatster. I'm a big fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did we did we get any action on Discord for this thing? Absolutely, man. We had, we had quite a few Discord reviews on this. When we start things off with Graham W. Vebke, he says, I'm horrible at joust myself and don't tend to get very far, but with this clone and the light and dark Pegasus horses, I was frequently able to get higher than Wave 6 and beyond. This game has quite basic sounds and no music. The backgrounds are quite colorful, and the game is more playable for me than joust. I played this on the VCC emulator as I'm currently away from my Mr. setup at the moment. So I will return to this game, especially if there's another high score challenge. 7 out of 10. Frodo and L writes, My favorite variation on the Joust theme on the Coco. While the sound is limited, the effects work for the game. I first played it a few months ago for the Coco Talk Game On Challenge, and it's the only one from the Joust month I still play at times. Nice graphics combined with better playability than the others are the reason for that. And I will take a break to say this is uh, this is the, the Joust clones are some of the most hotly contested games in the Coco world. You've yes, got Lancer, you've got Buzzard Bait, uh, and people go back and forth all the time about which ones are better. Um, uh, L. Curtis Boyle posts a review from Nick Moroda. So if you're on our Discord channel, you can see that. As you know, Aaron, the rules of the game are if you want your review read on the air, you must be a, uh, a dis- an Amigos Retro Gaming Discord member. But if you are on the Discord, feel free to check out Nick Moroda's review on there. Curtis leaves a review himself. He says, a pretty cool joust derivative. The 3D-ish journey towards the island instead of just dissolving platforms surprisingly adds a lot of flavor to the game. And the super realistic heavy gravity effects, after all, a horse with wings is much heavier than an ostrich, as every biologist knows. I love that. Actually, it's quite fun once he is uh, one, once one is used to it. Uh, the bonus round at the waterfall later is cool as well. A fun element is that you kill your enemies, come out of a cave, and uh, is that... Sorry, let me start that one again. A fun element is that your enemies come out of a cave in the distance, so you can maneuver to kill them as soon as they are close enough. Yeah. Sound effects are minimal. Most spectral games suffered from this, although a few didn't. If you like Jaws, you should like Pegasus. So thank you, guys. As always, if you'd like to leave us a review on our Discord channel, you can support The Coco Show or any of the shows on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network for as little as $1 a month. You know, I do want to close by saying I did check out uh, this on eBay. Occasionally, games of this sort will, uh, and this one was one that was sold in in Radio Shack. I, I, I remember seeing it there. So this is not one of the more obscure ones. Uh, you can pick this up on eBay right now if you hurry. Uh, there's a fellow selling one online for forty nine ninety nine or best offer, mm-hmm. and he may come way down. And I looked, and I haven't seen one that has sold. It's the only one available, and I haven't seen one that's sold recently. So I would say that this isn't something you're going to see popping up every day. Uh, and this does have a real pretty uh, title, you know, a sleeve cover in it. So if you're if you're uh, in the market, if you collect old, uh, vintage color computer stuff, uh, I would say this would probably be a now, nice one. To put you know, in I've collection. never I don't think I've asked you about this. Do you own any uh, inbox Cocoa discs or all I your do. stuff? OK, no, I do. I do own some. Uh, not many. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I own more cartridges. I, you know, really, uh, let's face facts. I've got an SD 
card here uh, solution, right. SDC. And so I don't really, and I never really collected for the cocoa. And one of the reasons, uh, and honestly, it's just it's not something you're going to find locally. I mean, cocoa software. We've had I've got fifty, I've got a hundred times more specy software than I do cocoa software. Much more difficult to get. Yeah. Uh, and so I, if you were to go to one of the big conventions, I'm sure you could load up. And I'm sure if you scoured eBay, I mean, there are plenty of cartridge tiles, but stuff that's on disc, that's a lot rarer. And some of that stuff's mega, mega rare. Like, yeah. so rare, I couldn't even see a box for it. So, right. But this one, there's one up, so I'm sure it won't be up for long. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us for uh, the Coco Show. Uh, as we mentioned on the last episode, uh, we are bringing the Coco Show back. It will be a, an occasional podcast. We'll try and knock one out every month or so. Um, if you'd like to support the Coco Show, get access to our Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server as well as some other perks, uh, feel free to head on over to uh, patreon.com slash the Coco Show. Uh, or you can just buy us a coffee with the, the Ko-Fi link there in the uh, the description uh, of the podcast or the YouTube description. Um and uh, you can join us and watch the show live if you subscribe to our Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. Uh, we had a pretty good crowd here joining us today. Uh, I'd like to give them a shout out. We have Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn doing the, doing the Lord's work as our moderators. They wield that band hammer like you wouldn't believe. Uh, we've got here in the chat as well, we've got Abbott Costello. You should like them, Aaron. <laughs> uh, Bark Bits with us, Brock 101, Buck Owens, Canadian Retro Things, Carbot, uh, Chet Simpson, Cobrian, Commander Root, Delamort 78, Group Dog, Extra More, Frodo and L, Go With Him, Great Al G, Gunner Warhorse, Hamo One, Just Mike 68, L, Curtis Boyle, Mitsuyama, Mr. Cola, Paul Kitching, Puck Picard 2010, R Typer, Silly Gnome 225, Sloopy Malibu, Tom Toms, Threep Woods, Thrifts, VNK, Vigoro Pros, Wide World of Retro, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so much for participating in the chat. We love having you guys around when we record the show. That's a good crowd for a Sunday afternoon, Boat. Yeah, it say. is, man. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back at some point in the near future with another Coco show. Until then, all hail. L. Curtis Boyle. Perfect.